Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Here you go. Here you go. Sherlock. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It is Monday, April 10th. 2023. Hope everyone had a good weekend. There was so much going on. I sat around watching sports. I was watching the NBA season end. I was watching the Masters. I was watching hockey. I was watching movies. We got to go right into the NBA with the story that caught my attention the most this weekend because I have been talking about tanking. I've been talking about competitive integrity on the field for a long time. For 791 shows, it's been a focus of mine and for the years before nothing personal, and what the Dallas Mavericks did this weekend, if that doesn't open Adam Silver's eyes and say, wow, we have a small problem here. The problem we have is we are asking people to spend money on a product where the teams, the owners, the coaches, and the players do not respect the product. The Dallas Mavericks made a decision, as did many other teams on the last day. So I'm differentiating this. When teams sit players on the last day who are in the playoffs because they want to rest their players, good. When you've got nothing to play for and you want to change who you play in the final game of the season, good. If you want to take out players early in the final game of the season when you have nothing to play for, your playoff position is set or you're not going to be in the playoffs, great. If you have a chance to do anything, anything, get more ping pong balls, number one, change playoff seating. Number two, get into the playoffs. More importantly, number three, and you don't play your players, that means that you are disrespecting the product. What the Dallas Mavericks did, and this is when things get attention, when you do something in a way that could be interpreted differently, hey, listen, this was a decision we made in the front office. We had the sleep analytic bracelet on and Luca was tired. All right, I can't really argue with that. I think it's a bunch of horse hockey, but I'm not going to argue with it. He woke up this morning. He's got sniffles. He's got some chills. Maybe needs some matzo ball soup. All right, I'm not going to argue with that. But when you've got a team like the Dallas Mavericks who so blatantly tells you that they no longer want to qualify for the playoffs because they made a trade with the New York Knicks, because they have what's called the lottery protected pick that if it is a lottery pick, they get it back and they have a chance to be in the lottery and get it back. They chose to do that. That is the definition of tanking. You can tank for Tua, you can tank for Wimbayama, you can tank for anyone you want. But when you have a chance to be in the playoffs right at the end and you choose not to, the question is, is it better to be in the play-in tournament or is it better to have your draft pick back? If I'm running the Dallas Mavericks, it's a pretty simple question. I want my draft pick back. 
So therefore, I understand exactly what Dallas was doing. But could you explain to me how they did it? It started with a rumbling. Wouldn't it be great it was written if the Mavericks did not qualify for the play-in tournament, did not make the playoffs, because then they'd have a chance to get their lottery draft protected but pick back. Well, I wonder where that came from. Do you think somebody in the media just was sitting around one day and looking at the standings and looking at the games and they said, oh, look at this. This may be a possibility. And the Mavericks front office, led by Mark Cuban, who claims he's not involved in anything, said, whoa, I can't believe we didn't think of that. Or do you think they knew exactly what they were doing and they started with the trial balloons, which is PR strategy 204. Shoot the stuff out there. Make sure people are writing about it. Get it get the reactions, and then we'll take it from there. When you are doing a PR plan that involves something like tanking, guess what? You have to let your coach in on it. Jason Kidd was asked about the fact that they weren't going to try to win games. He was asked the question. He said, we all said that we want to have the opportunity to find a way to get in, meaning the playoffs, and we're going to play until told otherwise. Remember what Luca did in response to Luca being shut down, Irving being shut down. This was the response to the rumors that they were going to shut down their players in order to miss the playoffs. We were going to play until told otherwise. That's Jason Kidd saying it. Be told by who? Adam Silver? Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving's agent? No, the front office. And then Jason Kidd said, today is the day that we've been told we're gonna do something different. OMG, that is called a smoking gun, an unfortunate metaphor. I still confuse metaphor and analogy from time to time. Analogy is when you say something's like something. Hey, you're like that. This is like that. I think that's an analogy. A metaphor is, oh, that represents that. So I don't even know which one we're doing here. Today is the day that we've been told that we're gonna do something different. The something different is not play to win. He said the quiet part out loud, which is my specialty as it comes to attendance, as it comes to all the things behind the scenes in baseball and sports and business. I am happy to tell you all the things, the, the quiet part out loud take you behind the scenes, behind the curtain, behind the iron curtain, as it were. But not when I was running a team. Instead, what Jason Kidd should be saying is, excuse me, I've read everything that you're reading. Of course, we're trying to make the playoffs and win a championship for Dallas to bring Cuban second championship first since Dirk, first since Luca. Of course, that's our plan. But no, the NBA said, wait a minute, that's a problem. And they've in started, God, that wasn't smooth, Coca. 4869, we're live. Nothing personal with David Sampson on YouTube. But just for those of you who are not listening to live, we're going to wipe that and start again. Ready? I mean, not the whole show, but we're a few minutes in. But here we go. 469. And that's exactly what the NBA is doing. They have now started an investigation into the circumstances surrounding the Mavericks' decision not to win any games and therefore be eliminated from the playoffs. And it started Friday night against the Bulls. So the NBA spokesman came out and this is what they came up with. I'm, maybe people don't work weekends in baseball. I don't know if you know this, but it's a seven day a week job. 
even during the off season, you're on call to your owner, you're on call to the commissioner's office, you're on call to your players, you're on call to your people you work with and for every day. But I guess the NBA PR staff was off. NBA spokesman Mike Bass, I, I guess he made this up, maybe not. The NBA commenced an investigation today into the facts and circumstances surrounding the Dallas Mavericks roster decisions and game conduct with respect to last night's Chicago Bulls Mavericks game, comma, including the motivations behind those actions. <laughs> okay, that's terrific. Uh, I, I would just like to point out, dear Adam, and, and I'm going to call Skipper today and, and say, hey, John, uh, Samson and Coker are open for business. We have some openings right now. We've just finished our latest NFL investigation, and we are ready to investigate this. We are ready to find out whether, in fact, the Mavericks roster decisions to not play Irving or their entire team and play Luka for a quarter and then pull him after 13 minutes. And to tell you what the motivations were behind those actions, your honor, may we call Jason Kidd to the witness stand. Jason, put your right hand up. We don't have speed of power, so we're just asking if you put right hand up. Do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? So help me, me. Any, anybody, Coca, where are you on the reference to that? So help me, me. Anybody, this may be the greatest boomer movie reference of all time. Oh God, George Burns, Terry Garr, John Denver. George Burns plays God, he's on the stand and he's got to testify and he says, do you swear to tell the truth, nothing but the truth? And he says, so help me, me. That's funny, he was God. I'm not saying that I'm God, I'm no Alec Baldwin. That's another movie reference, not his personal situation. Okay, so here we go. Mike Bass is gonna look into this. Jason Kidd's gonna come to the stand. And the question will be, Jason, quick question. Why didn't anybody play against the Bulls? Did anyone tell you not to play those players? And he would say, well, it's funny you should ask that. But I was told before the game started what the rotation would be. And when I looked at the choice of players who I could play, there were a lot of guys missing. So I said, excuse me, why can't I play these guys? And I was told, it's not your concern. Here's the players you can play. Here's the players you can't play. Well, wait a minute. Do you know why those players couldn't play? Well, thank you. I asked that of, of my front office and here's what they said. They said that we're trying to lose the game. Uh, thank you, Jason. That'll be all. Mark Cuban, could you come take the stand, please? Mark Cuban stands up. <laughs> he said, so help me, me because that's what he thinks. Question, Mark, when you gave Jason Kidd the lineup to play and the players who were available, can you explain what your thought process was? You had a chance to be in the play-in tournament. And what made you decide that? Well, the players weren't healthy. We really didn't want Kyrie to be hurt. We felt as though he had some soreness in his ankle and that was the right move. But Kyrie is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Do you have a deal in place with him? No, we don't have a deal in place with him, but we are confident that we're going to sign him, him back. But he just wasn't ready to go. So, Mark, were you told by any trainers that he was not ready to go? No, 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 but thanks for asking. So what made you think that he wasn't ready to go? Did Kyrie tell you he couldn't play? Um, no, no. So who decided Kyrie couldn't play? Um, I did. Why did you decide that? because I felt that it was in the best interest of the team for him not to play that day. Thank you so much. We have one further question. 
Why did you think it was in the best interest of your team to not have him play that night? We didn't want to win the game. And then the crowd, there's a murmur of the crowd. He leaves the stand and the investigation's over and Samson and Coca go to the front steps of the courthouse and we raise our hands in victory because the Mavericks tanking is so obvious that they are going to get in serious trouble. The penalty, if I am running the league, there's an alternate universe. David Sampson, commissioner of basketball. I'm calling in Mark Cuban. Surprise, Mark. We've taken a vote. This isn't just me. The entire board of governors, you're a governor. The entire board of governors has voted. Sue us if you want, but guess what? You've lost your balls. Good luck. That's what I would do for them. So meanwhile, everybody's talking to the Mavericks about everything. They're coming out with statements. Jason Kidd's statement was so bad that he was then told by the PR people after the game, after the season, we're going to need you to change what you say. We're going to have to have you focus on Kyrie Irving. We're going to want you to say that you expect him to come back. What you cannot say anymore is that these are the boss's decisions. Jason Kidd specifically said, we trust Cuban. We trust Nico to put the pieces together, to put us in a position to win the championship. So that's just starting the process today. There must be no communication with the Mavericks at all. It's an absolute disgrace. I got to be honest with you. There's so much evidence that what Jason Kidd was told to tank and that Mark Cuban should get in trouble and they should lose their pick. So much evidence. And this is not because I'm a Nick fan. It really has nothing to do with it. It has to do with the fact that you cannot continue to run a league that keeps telling its customers not to care. That's my only point. And the NBA showed at the end of this regular season that nobody cares. I mean, there were some players who cared. Although they manifested in such a strange way. Rudy Gobert and the Minnesota Timberwolves have a problem as they head into their playing game against the Minneapolis Lakers. One of the issues that the Timberwolves have is something that happened during their final game yesterday where there was a fight. And one of you actually asked a specific question about that fight. So I want to tell you what happened and then answer the question. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Get in my Twitter, David P. Samson. Hi, David. Hello. If two of your players, you can do it on Instagram too at David P. Samson. If two of your players got into a fight on the bench and one threw a punch, what would you have done? Hashtag, so you want to talk to Samson. Well, thank you for asking. You're obviously referring to what happened in the Timberwolves game when Rudy Gobert threw a punch at Kyle Anderson. They were in a timeout. So here's what actually happens during NBA timeouts. The coach, this is a thing that happens. The timeout gets called. The players go sit on the bench and look at each other and drink a little water and Gatorade. The coaches all go to midcourt or out or the free throw line extended and they all meet and they've got a clipboard and they're talking about, man, we really got to call a good player. We've got five seconds left. We need a two point. We need a three point. What do you, what do you want to call here? Who's got the final shot? Or boy, boy, we stink. We just had to stop the momentum. We got nothing to add. And then in a two minute timeout, then they go, Back into the huddle, the coach leans down, or in Phil Jackson's case, he would sit on the chair. But generally, you scrunch down, you look up at your players, and you say, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and you've got the board, and then put your hand in, boom, we're good. 
walking out of the timeout, start the play. Meanwhile, what the players are doing is they're looking at the stands. They're looking at the Band-Aid around their finger. They're looking to make sure their shoes are tied. They're making sure they've got enough energy, fuel, some drinks, et cetera. And then they look up. And if you're not Scottie Pippen, you choose to go back in the game, execute the final play, and then you go home. And that's the end of it. But every once in a while, you've got players who are chirping. Players who chirp on the bench, normal. You've seen it in baseball. You've seen it in basketball, football. Emotions run high in the middle of the game. And what happens is that if you've got players who don't get along, that becomes a greater issue during a game. So when emotions are tight, it tends to make whatever side of the emotional scale you're on with someone that much more exaggerated. Have you ever been in a situation where you love someone and then something major is going on and you cling on to that person even more? Or when you don't love someone and something major happens on it, it repels you like a magnet so you don't want to be with that person? It's almost easier to be with strangers sometimes when something bad's happening. There's comfort, like when you're a 12-hour delay on a plane or there's bad turbulence on a plane and you look around and it's total strangers, but yet there's a connection because you're going through something. Shared experiences can do things to cause bonds between people. Onset romances, by the way. All of those things happen because you are sharing intense experiences, which tends to bring out emotions that tend to not translate back into the real world. That is what a season is like. The family comes together. It's not a permanent family. It's a one-time family. Sometimes it's a one-week family, a one-day family, because changes are made in the clubhouse, on the team, trades happen. So you quickly form bonds with the family. You decide it's like a season of Survivor. You decide who you like, who you don't like, and you don't have a great basis for making those decisions. Rudy Gobert and Kyle Anderson, they're now coming out to saying they're great buddies. But during the course of this timeout, Rudy Gobert was chirping with Anderson, and all of a sudden, he wasn't chirping anymore. He threw a punch. The first thing I do, is I get that person off the bench into the clubhouse. That is what the Timberwolves did. They got him off the bench right into the locker room. That's the first thing I do. The second thing I do is I make sure that player is not available post-game to meet the media. The third thing I do is speak to the player about exactly what I'm going to want the player to say publicly, and I'm making sure to have a team meeting in the locker room after the game so that we can air out exactly what happened, how everyone feels about what the player did. And then having met with the front office after it happened, before meeting with the players, knowing exactly what we want to do to that player, communicating that and getting buy-in from the rest of the team, that which we want to do to the player who threw the punch. So the process of what to do gets underway immediately. If I see a altercation in my dugout, I leave the box and head right down to the clubhouse. The head of Minnesota obviously would go right down into the locker room and start working through the next half hour and how the issues are going to happen. The undercurrent of this Rudy Gobert situation is that he feels so much pressure on him because he is famous. Not famous because he licked the microphone during COVID. God, do I hope that was him, Coco. We did not talk about that pre-show. But I really think that was him. I don't know if you remember right before it started, he licked, he said, I'm not scared of COVID. And he licked it, it was him. And then that was it. So, uh, oh, that's what that's what her relationship with Donovan Mitchell. Interesting. I didn't know that, Coca. So the Jazz had Rudy Gobert. 
and they traded Rudy Gobert to the Timberwolves in what will go down in history as the Herschel Walker trade of the NBA. Basically, don't forget the number of players that the Jazz got for Rudy Gobert. One, two, three, four, five. Five players, Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Leandro Bomaro, and Walker Kessler and Jared Vanderbilt, but it doesn't matter. Then a 2023 first-round pick, a 2025 first-round pick, a 2027 first-round pick, a 2029 first-round pick, and a 2026 pick swap. So pick swap isn't an actual player because you give a player to get a player. But four first-round picks plus, wait for it, five players. That's a lot of people. Rudy Gobert, who's fine, defensive player of the year. He averaged 13 and a half points a game this year, 11 and a half rebounds a game, one and a half blocks a game. That's a solid player. That's a solid complimentary piece on a good team. You can't build a, te- a team around Rudy Gobert, but you can certainly have him as part of a potential winning team, though it didn't happen in Utah. Great regular season, not great playoffs. Meanwhile, Minnesota with Rudy Gobert is in a play-in game against the Lakers. So Rudy Gobert has extra tension. We all agree with that, right? The pressure of being paid a ton of money and needing to lead a team and not being good enough to lead it causes players to become emotional. So inside the timeout, they were having, you know, they were going at it. Just talking, normal. I'm fine with that. But then the punch got thrown. The Minnesota Timberwolves will decide to play Rudy Gobert in the play-in game. And I don't think they should. Rudy Gobert should be suspended not by the league, though the league could easily suspend the way they do for bench-clearing brawls when people fight each other, but the league rarely gets involved when you've got players fighting each other on the same team. We've called the league before and said, hey, are you going to do anything about this? And their answer is no, but you may. And then you have to do it under the rules of the CBA. But you also have to do it under the rules of what's best for your team competing. When you are playing the Lakers and you have two chances to win one game, the T-Wolves, the way the play-in works, which starts tomorrow, is you have two chances to win once if you're the seven or eight seed. And that's the Lakers and the Timberwolves. So they play each other. And the winners in the playoffs is the seventh seed. The loser plays the winner of the 9-10 game to be the eighth seed. So that means if you make it to seven or eight, which is why it was so important in yesterday's games, if you make it to seven or eight, you have two chances to win one. Like the old NBA, three to make two. Who doesn't miss that? Those were the days, three to make two. When you couldn't make three to make two, that was a major problem. So the Minnesota Timberwolves should absolutely not have Rudy Gobert play but of course he's going to, but here's who's not playing. As a result of the argument that took place, Jaden McDaniels, one of the best perimeter defenders on their team. Jaden McDaniels is a forward. He's leaving the court. He knows his team is an absolutely unmitigated disaster. He's seen the star of the team punch a teammate in the huddle. He leaves the court and he does the number one thing that drives me crazy, way worse than punching someone else. He punched a wall. Guess what happens when you punch a wall? It doesn't work. You don't win. Jaden McDaniels fractured his hand. He's done. The Mavericks, the Mavericks, the T-Wolves will have to win one of the next two without him. And the reason he punched the wall was his anger and frustration over what was going on with his team. 
the Minnesota Timberwolves are not in control of their team. Their front office does not know what they're doing. Their ownership situation is so one foot out the door for Glenn, one foot in the door for A-Rod. Nothing's happening. Absence of leadership. How many times have we talked to you about players punching walls? I've told you the story of my friend to this day, my friend, AJ Ramos. I've told you the story of Devin Williams of the Brewers who cost them. Remember when he punched his hand and he was out, missed the whole Brewers postseason? What's it going to take for players to stop doing that? Do you think surgeons do anything bad with their hands? I wouldn't think they do. I mean, if you're a soccer player and you want to punch a wall, don't you use your hand and not your foot? How stupid would it be for a soccer player to kick a wall? Idiotic, right? It's the same thing with a basketball player or a baseball player. I mean, you shouldn't kick a wall anyway because you're going to lose. But if a soccer player happens to break his hand, my guess is he can still play, though. I have no indication if that's a rule. Can you play with a cast on your right hand if you have a broken hand? I would think so. You don't use it. In sports, you need, in baseball, you need both hands and feet. Anyway, I'm very disappointed about what happened in Minnesota. I would just point out to you that if my players got in, you heard what I would do to answer your question. It would be a suspension, but not of a play in game. So I understand why Minnesota is not going to do it. I believe they should do it. But remember, Minnesota is trying to save face for the bad trade they made. They're trying to actually qualify for the playoffs. So if this were game 30 of the regular season, then Rudy Gobert would be sent home and be suspended for a game. The fact that the playing game is coming, what they're going to do is they're going to find a way to make it good. And the way you make it good is that you start getting some PR balloons and PR leaks out there. I would expect their coach, their GM, and a the captain of their team or a well-known player on their team to come out with statements that'll be casual, right? They'll be matter-of-fact. They won't do it as a release, as a press release. They'll do it in the media availabilities where they'll say, hey, don't you worry about it. We took care of this internally. We've spent a lot of time thinking about it, and we are brothers we're family. Families fight. We're together all the time. Emotions run high, but we've taken care of it, and we're ready to take on those Lakers. It'll be something like that. Just wait for it. You'll laugh when it happens. It's like page three of the playbook. Okay. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen, and when it doesn't, we revisit it, and when it does, we revisit it. So I want to go through several wait to sees that happen as a result of the NBA season, some I got right, some I got wrong. Back in June of 2022, you can go back and look at the shows because we own them. They're on Metal Arc right now. June 20th of 2022, the Nets will have a better record than any team with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, the Nets had 45 wins, Dallas had 38. Winner, nine days later on June 29th of 22, the Knicks will not make the playoffs. Yikes, I got that one wrong. On November 1st of 2022, I said to you that the NBA is going to change the tampering rules. That's when we did a show about all of the tampering and the signs that were happening like one second when the free agent free agency opened. It turns out there's a new CBA. It turns out the tampering rules have not been changed. I'm taking the no. However, I am taking the no with the caveat. The caveat is that teams are being punished for tampering in a way that had not happened before. I thought they would codify it. They have not, as far as I know. So I'm taking the no. Next, 
February 6th, just about a month ago, I said the Mavs have a worse winning percentage with Kyrie than they had without Kyrie. That was two months ago when they got Kyrie. Guess what? That's a yes. Can you imagine making that deadline deal, what they gave up to get Kyrie Irving and their team was worse and it led them to tank the final weekend of the season? Do you think that it was even in their head? When you sit down and make a trade, Coca, when you sit down, you uh, we don't spend a lot of time talking about downside. We'll talk about downside on the money issue, but not on the player performance issue because when we're trading for someone, we have complete belief. So when we do a... Uh, uh, mid-season a trade deadline acquisition. Let's say when we bring in Fernando Rodney is an example that I talk about often. We're willing to trade a really good prospect because our view is he may make it, he may not make it, but we are getting now the top bullpen arm. We're going to add him to our bullpen and we're going to boom, be off and running. You do not think of the downside. The Mavericks, when they traded for Kyrie Irving, not one person in the meeting said, you know, we got a chance here to uh, get our pick back from the Knicks. Not one person would have said it. Even the contrarian who I liked having in the room, the person whose job it was to tell us how wrong we all were when we tried to convince each other of something. It's the anti-sycophant guy, the one whose job is to poke holes at your theory. I've said this before to you on a business show, maybe on this show, and I say it to you again. It's very important when you're making a decision to have someone around you who will question the very foundation of your decision. It doesn't take a genius to surround yourself with people who say, man, you're smart. That's awesome. Let's do it. So we got that one right. On February 23rd of 2023, we had to wait to see about changes coming to the NBA All-Star Game in the new CBA. That is when I was talking about the All-Star Game and how I did not find it compelling. There's no defense. It was just, it was such a horrible game. And I said, the new CBA will have to have changes. I have not seen the final CBA, but I'm going to take the no because what's been released are all the changes in basketball and no one mentioned how crappy the All-Star Game is. Unfortunately, that's a no. March 16th of 2023, Freddie Freeman got hurt during the WBC. I said, wait to see. He will not play opening day. He did. Dodgers, meanwhile, miss Trey Turner. They're five and five. The Phillies with Trey Turner aren't as good either. Side note, it's only been 10 games. Freddie Freeman misses opening day. That was a no. For those keeping track at home, just a few weeks ago on March 23rd, when there was another delay in Zion, I said to you, Zion Williamson is done for the season. The Pelicans are in a playoff game. Zion is done for the season. That's a yes. We appreciate the wait to sees. I'm going to give you my wait to see for today that you can add to the list for April, whatever date, the April 10th, 2023. My official wait to see for the day involves a coaching change that's going to happen in the NBA. Remember the old Celtics coach, Emo Doka? Guess what? He's going to have a head coaching job again. You've had two coaches fired already. Dwayne Casey pretends he wasn't fired. He's going to be in the front office for Detroit. And Paul Silas's son, Stephen Silas, is not going to survive the rebuild. Very few coaches do. In Houston, they're both gone. Wait to see. Emo Udoka will get a coaching job this offseason. All right. When we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a show that I watched, and then we're going to mention something that happened in Detroit 
on the baseball field uh, that is pretty important to focus on. We'll be right back. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you for being with us on a Monday morning. We are live every day, 8 a.m. on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Please subscribe. And I've got your address, Zachary. I will get you something as soon as practically possible. You were the trivia winner for our 12,000 subscriber threshold, but let's do better, please. And if you're listening to this, thank you for subscribing. You can listen and watch. Thank you. All right, I watch a movie every day or I watch a TV series. I'm watching some sort of content every day because I'll review something for you every day. And I've been watching a movie a day for years. Years, God, it's decades already. That is strange. It is decades, not years. I watched a new series on Netflix called Beef. Beef is with Ali Wong and Stephen Yun. He was in Minari. She is a comedian. It is a story about two people whose lives intersect on a random day, not a sliding doors type of intersection, but on a random day because of road rage. Road rage is something that I appreciate. I have very little patience for people who drive slowly in the left lane. That's the passing lane, folks. If you're not learning that in driver's ed, then what the hell are you doing? Have some awareness. It's something that makes me very impatient. Have spatial awareness. Understand where your car is. Understand where your body is. Understand if you're blocking somebody or if you're taking too long and you're in the way. Understand if people are passing you on the right that you ought not be in the left lane. Beef starts off with a beef between two people. It starts with a road rage incident. And it goes over 10 episodes to a place that I did not expect it to go. It is not like Fallen. That's not the name. What's the name of the movie, Coca, with uh, Michael Douglas? I want to say Falling Down or Fallen. I, I can't remember which, but you won't remember it, Coca. It's from, God, it must be 35 years ago already. But it is not about a typical road rage incident. It is about falling down. Thank you, Coca. It is about two people who after this incident happens, their lives become reliant on each other in a way that is brilliantly written, brilliantly acted, award-winning writing and performances in this show by both the main actors and the supporting actors. And what happens when revenge, desperation, poverty, loneliness, combine to change a life. It's why being in touch with your emotions is so important. The irony of me saying that is not lost on me, by the way. But being in touch with your emotions is so important so you can understand where you're coming from, why you're doing the things you're doing. What is making you double down and then triple down when something doesn't go your way or when it does go your way, you try to recapture the feeling. When it doesn't go your way, you try to make sure it, you never feel that way again, yet you do the same thing over and over again and wonder why you're still feeling that way. 
This show called Beef goes through all of it. Whatever you're doing, starting 10 minutes from now, I encourage you to start watching Beef. Watch it all the way through and then talk to your partner, talk to people you're in business with, talk to your family, talk to yourself. I like talking to myself, <laughs> by the way, as evidenced by what I do every day. I like talking to myself because it helps me test different hypotheses about why I do certain things. Beef, you may wanna check it out. The thing about mental health, and you're seeing it everywhere in new shows, you're seeing people break down, you're seeing the ramifications of breaking down, you are seeing the pressure of today's world and what it's causing, all of the technological advances that we've seen from social media to the way our phones are in our hand as computers, it has all led to a, what I would call a lessening of the strong mental health landscape, a blurring of the line between what's good for society and what is bad. Sports was an area where mental health was, you don't talk about it. When Kevin Love was talking about his mental health in basketball and writing essays, there was a stigma attached. Ben Simmons, stigma. Constant stigmas because we did not want to acknowledge what it meant to get the yips. We didn't want to acknowledge what it meant that these players are actually regular people who have fights with their families, who get depressed, who are unable to function. It was back in the day, there was a player when I was growing up, his name, his name was Brian Williams, who played for the Orlando Magic. And he's someone who got, uh, had bouts, as I recall, he had bouts of mental health problems and it was looked at as, oh, there's something wrong with you. We can't help you. We can't talk about you. We don't wanna be around you. Thank God that teams are now looking at mental health issues the same way they look at physical health issues. Just my change from when I first got into baseball, if someone came to me saying they weren't ready to play or they fought with their wife, get on the field. I don't feel like it today. Get on the field and play. And if you don't perform, you're done. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really hurting, David. Can I be, can you help me? No. Does your arm hurt? Does your hamstring hurt? How was your elbow? Go pitch. When I have a fight at home, I still have to sit at my desk and go to work. Yeah, but you can make calls or take breaks or you don't have 30,000 people watching. I said, neither do you. We got 1,200 people watching you. God, I was just brutal. Quick can't be that way anymore. Wouldn't be that way anymore. Not that way anymore. The Detroit Tigers just put Austin Meadows on the injured list just yesterday. Austin Meadows, the player they got from Tampa, on a side note, having nothing to do with Austin Meadows and his anxiety. Believe me, nothing to do with it. Don't make trades with the Tampa Bay Rays. I, I, I may need to say it every show. They're the last undefeated team although they haven't played great competition, but they're so good. And you've never heard of anyone in their rotation. You've never heard of anyone in their lineup. Maybe, maybe you have. I don't think you have, but you should. Maybe you've heard of Wander Franco or Randy Arazarena from the Mexican team via Cuba. So Austin Meadows was traded by the Rays to the Tigers. He was put on the IL list for anxiety. And the Tigers released a statement from their new president of baseball operations a statement that would have been unheard of only five or 10 years ago. 
The Tigers fully support Austin's decision to step away from the team and prioritize his mental health. As an organization, we have taken many steps to provide and destigmatize mental health resources, and we will do more to help our players tackle the mental and physical challenges they face on a daily basis. We commend Austin for confronting these challenges head on and ask our fans to join us in supporting him through every step of his journey back to the field. That's a perfect statement. I have not one thing to say. Remember, we talked to you about Daniel Bard with the yips, and he was taking a step back because he knew himself. That was after what he did to uh, Jose Altuve. Now you see Austin Meadows doing the same. We employed a sports psychologist, best in the business, a guy named Dr. Jeffrey Fishbein, who's now with the White Sox. Performance psychology, clinical psychology. But I remember saying to him, I need you to focus on the performing side. We need to get the best we can out of these players. And he would say to me, they need to be strong mentally to give you what you want physically. And I was dismissive, if not ignorant and angry. And this is going through my own anxiety issues at the time, which I still do, of course. Totally saying you have to be a certain way if you are on the field as an athlete. I'm sorry. I really am sorry. I should not have been that way. I'm glad the teams aren't that way anymore. Austin Meadows, please take care of yourself because I now view the issues you're going through with anxiety as the same as if you had a torn labrum. Please do the necessary rehab that we would provide you if you tore your ACL or your labrum. We would provide you with all the resources needed to get back on the field. Anxiety, depression is the same, and teams are now providing players with the necessary resources to rehab themselves to get back on the field. And just like with physical injuries, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't in terms of getting the player back to performing the way they did. Good luck, Austin. Nothing, personal pick of the day. We went one and two this weekend. We had the Cardinals and Flaherty over the Brewers. Flaherty actually pitched fine on Friday night. They were underdogs, but the Brewers won, which means we lost. The Brewers have started off well. They really do have a very good pitching staff if you have a chance to watch them. And you may not have heard of, you've heard of Burns, but you may not have heard of Peralta. Quite good. You may not have heard of Woodruff, but you should. Quite good. Saturday, we had the easiest win of all time. We told you to go against Jose Berrios every time you can. And we did. The Angels beat the Blue Jays. Berrios is, uh, he's bad. I don't, he was so good on the Twins. The Twins, Twins are smart too. And then yesterday is just makes me angry. Yesterday we had the Phillies over the Reds and for whatever reason, the bullpen blew it. It's tough, right? We could do first five innings. We do that a lot on CBS Sports HQ. We could do all sorts of different possibilities, but we had the Phillies beating the Reds. They were winning, gave up four runs in the eighth and ninth combined and the bullpen blew the game and we lost. So we're one and two, 49 and 51. Today, we've got the Yankees playing the Guardians. Aaron Judge's H.O. Triple, he's on pace to hit 74 home runs. If you can get that in any book, take the under. But Aaron Judge, Stanton is hitting the ball hard and well. They are playing against the Guardians. You may not know the Guardians, but guess what? Sean, Sean, guess what? Shane Bieber and the Guardians are favored over Herman and the Yankees. And I'm still taking them. Guardians minus 145 over the Yankees. So as we've watched right now, 
baseball is going to get a backseat to the NBA playoffs. NBA playoffs and baseball took a backseat this weekend to the Masters. All the intrigue of watching the live golfers. Mickelson having the best final round of his career at age 52, finishing in second place. Kepka, another live golfer who everyone's rooting against. And John Rahm ends up winning the Masters. I was watching the final round and I was thinking that, uh, what do you think the live golfers are thinking as they're playing the final round, not getting the type of love or adoration that they're used to getting? Mickelson being the prime example of that. He, If, if this were Phil Mickelson as part of the PGA Tour, and at 52 he did what he did, he's on the cover of SI for crying out loud. Now he just sort of slinks in a corner, pumps his fist, walks off, and that's the end of him. Back to live. Just think about the money side. Brooks kept good one $4 million his last time out playing in a live tournament. This time he finished second in the Masters and he got 1.9. John Rahm got three and three and 3.3 for winning. It's very hard to fight against money, but it's times like these when it's the Masters that the live golfers were all saying to themselves, did I do the right thing? Should I have done that? And then the Masters ends. It's back to reality because it's like a one-off World Cup, except instead of every four years, it's every year. They go back and the live checks start coming back in every two weeks and they go to their tournaments where they only have to play 54 holes and not 72, where they get automatically, they make the cut where automatically, no matter how much they stink, they get a certain amount plus the initial guarantee they got and it makes it all okay. All I kept thinking about while watching the Masters Truly, this is all that was in my head is that these players who are playing and they're going for the green jacket and they're going for whatever it is that they want to do. They're going for history. But I think that they get back in the clubhouse and I just think they open their locker and they take off their shoes and they look in the mirror and they say, eh, it's just business. See you later, PGA guys. It's nothing personal. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.